Welcome to the Kids Are People Too podcast. I'm your host, Salita Williams, wife, mom of three little people, educator by both passion and profession, child advocate, parent consultant, and an enthusiastic supporter of you on your positive parenting journey. If you've ever questioned if your parenting methods are effective, if you've ever wished that you had just a few more tools in your proverbial parenting toolbox, or felt like you needed a slight adjustment to your parenting style, or a major one, no judgment here, then you are definitely in the right place because this podcast was curated just for you. Now, this is not your typical parenting podcast. It's actually probably one of the most unconventional parenting podcasts out there. We are not spending our time talking about how to get your kids to eat their veggies. Here, we are doing much deeper dives. Of course, we're going to talk about how to get these kids together, but we'll do that by discussing the facts that surround child developmental psychology as well as child cognitive development timelines so that we are better able to manage our expectations. We have conversations about how our own temperament, our own personality, and our own past experiences shape our approach to parenting and the significant impact that these things have on the way that our children respond to us. While this podcast has been created with parents in mind, it is not just for parents. This is for any adult that interacts with any little people in any capacity. Even if you don't yet have your own biological children or if you're not yet experiencing any challenges with your children, you can still definitely benefit from having some extra tools in the toolbox that are ready when you need to grab them. So if you are ready to learn, to grow as a person and a parent, or to just be reassured in what you're already doing, then stick around as we jump into today's episode. Hi guys, welcome to episode one of the Kids Are People 2 podcast. Today we will be talking about the importance of seeing our children as little people, little human beings, rather than reducing them down to just being kids. And we'll be talking about the major difference that that one thing will make in our parenting. Way too often, we disregard the feelings of our children and we just really don't give them the same consideration and the same level of respect that we so freely give to adults. And this is generally speaking, of course. So today we'll talk about seeing and treating our children as little people, what this looks like. We'll talk about the challenges that we later face when we fail to do so. And most importantly, We'll talk about some actionable strategies for being more mindful when we are interacting with our children. Before we start our conversation, I would like to share my parenting philosophy. I just think that it is really important for you to understand where I am coming from with my perspectives here on this podcast. So here goes. I believe that children deserve to be raised by their mother and their father in the same home. <laughs> now, let me give a disclaimer because deep down in my spirit, I felt eyes rolling. <laughs> I heard teeth sucking about 2.7 seconds ago. About three different people said 
It is better to have a peaceful home with one parent than a toxic home with two. And I totally agree. I definitely understand that there are circumstances when a two-parent household is not possible. Those circumstances are extenuating, or at least they should be. But a home with both parents should always be the standard. So what we are not going to do is downplay the standard just because there are some exceptions. I am very unapologetic about that. In my opinion, one of the first and most effective ways for restoring our community is to focus on the restoration of our families. And by that, I mean our nuclear families all throughout our community. So if you stand firmly on the other side of the fence on this topic, then we can just agree to disagree respectfully, of course, but I do have big, I said what I said, energy on that topic. And that's okay. We do not have to agree on everything. No one does. All right. So with that being said, let's get back to my parenting philosophy. I believe that children deserve to be raised in a home with both parents and in an environment that is stable, peaceful, supportive, nurturing, and loving. They deserve parents that don't view yelling and screaming at them or hitting and belittling them, embarrassing them, cursing at them, or any other harsh approach to discipline. They deserve parents that don't view those as effective or acceptable methods of parenting. Children deserve and they desire to have firm and consistent boundaries and structure in their home. They deserve parents that take a gentle and positive approach to parenting and that really considers their unique temperament and their unique personality when they're interacting with them. They deserve to be parented from a place of healthy, balanced, and pure love rather than from a place of adulterated love that's fueled by unresolved trauma. They deserve to be respected, to be considered. They deserve to be seen and to be heard, to be loved, and to just be treated like people. So this is my parenting philosophy. You can and you should Develop your own and allow it to drive your approach to parenting. My goal for this podcast is to share the lessons that I've learned and the information and all of the knowledge that I have gained as it relates to effectively interacting with our little people. And this is all based on developmental psychology, cognitive development, behavioral psychology, and how all of those things should be considered as we develop or modify our parenting styles. Throughout the years, I have learned so much in my personal life. I've learned things through reflecting on my own childhood experiences by looking at my own current experiences on my parenting journey. And from my observations while I'm working with parents or just being in spaces where people are interacting with their kids. And then professionally, you combine my personal experience with my education and my professional development and everything that I have seen and experienced as an educator for over 10 years. 
This podcast was literally formed at the intersection of three things. One, my sincere desire to be a great mom who raises balanced and emotionally stable children. Two, the passion that I have for my community and my desire to see us thrive. And three, the intense pull that I feel to educate and to share knowledge. I do this in hopes that I can help other parents navigate through the toughest yet most rewarding job that we will ever have. Now, I want to be very clear. I am not coming to this podcast as an expert. I am not a perfect parent. I do not have it all together, nor do I have all of the answers. Those things could not be further from the truth. Most of the things that we'll talk about in this space will come from lessons that I had to learn, lessons that I am currently learning, and lessons that I have to relearn because I mess up. I have to regroup and reassess and get myself together often. However, what I do very consistently is I acknowledge when I mess up. If I have not kept a promise or if I have said not today for three days in a row, if I'm irritable and respond differently than normal due to my own internal stuff or whatever the case may be, I apologize to my kids if I'm wrong. I explain what I did wrong. I explain why so they understand and it humanizes me. And I remind them and I reassure them that they never deserve to be mishandled by anyone, not even mommy. Now, if they did something wrong to trigger my response, then we address that as well. And I think that this is really important because it teaches them accountability and it teaches them what respect looks like so they'll never accept less. Okay, so now that I've gotten that out there, let's go ahead and get into this conversation. So not only do we have to work really hard and do our due diligence as parents to make sure that we understand who our kids are as people, of course we know that they are people, but we really have to understand the importance of seeing them that way. We have to put forth effort to get to know them. I mean, think about the amount of effort and energy that it takes to get to know a new friend or a new romantic partner. Now multiply that exponentially because these kids are still getting to know themselves and they are really relying on us for our help in that process. So we have to constantly remind ourselves that each child has their own unique interests They have their own ideas and their own ways of thinking about things and doing things that could be completely different from ours. And we just have to let them go through their process. This is important because this teaches us about them and it helps us to learn them. But more importantly, it teaches them about themselves. It teaches them about their personality. And we have to understand that they each have their own unique personality which really is just the combination of their feelings and their thoughts and their behaviors and how those things are expressed. And on a deeper, more genetic level, they each have their own temperament, which is the way that they respond to the world. This influences the way that they process their emotions and how they're able to regulate their behavior. 
it is very closely related to their personality. Yes, they are who they are for the most part, but we have to remember that we can nurture our children's development by using parenting strategies that are effective for their temperament. So there is no cookie cutter approach to parent. We really have to take the time to get to know these kids so that we can figure out the best way to deal with them so that our parenting is effective. We have to remember that our kids have their own insecurities. They have their own triggers and their own challenges and flaws that they very likely do not understand. And some of these things we don't know anything about either if we're not really paying attention. This is really why it is so important to get to know them, the real them, not our image of them, not that ideal version of them that we've created in our own heads. We think we know them because we know these superficial things about them But do we know the things that really matter? Do we know what scares them? Do we know what makes them genuinely happy? Do we know what activities and what things put them in their happy place? What's their love language? How do they show love? How do they want to receive love or how do they interpret love? What are their triggers? There's so many things to learn about them. But the problem is a lot of times we get this backwards. We think that we're supposed to decide who our kids need to be and then spend our parenting journey molding them and shaping them into that person. And that's just not how this works. That approach is only going to push them away and most likely it will cause problems for them later in life internally and personally for them as well as in their relationships because at the core they may not realize who they are. If they spend their entire lives being told who to be instead of being helped to understand who they already are, then that leads to adults going on self-discovery journeys. We shouldn't have to do that. The journey of self-discovery should begin at infancy and continue until death. We should not be complete adults with children trying to discover who we are, trying to go through that whole process while we're also trying to raise kids. Of course it's hard. Parenting is hard, but it's even harder when we have to jump those hurdles. So we definitely don't want to contribute to any of those issues for our own children to have to overcome. It is our job to not only get to know them, but to help them understand themselves, to help them identify their strengths, to identify their weaknesses, to help them maximize all of the great things about them while they manage and understand how to navigate in spite of the flaws. We don't necessarily change who we are at the core, but we can help our children to understand how to modify their behavior. So we can do this by teaching them self-awareness. When we notice things about them that could potentially be challenges, it is our job to lovingly provide guidance and to give gentle reminders about how to keep that in check. And we have to help them go through the process of self-discovery and help them to understand how to navigate through life in a healthy way. 
The problem comes in when we're not able to do that because we haven't really gotten to know them. We don't really see them. And when we don't see them, it's hard to relate to them. And if we can't relate to our children in a meaningful way, then it is very difficult to form bonds. And if we cannot relate to and bond with our children, it is difficult, if not impossible, to have any type of influence on them. And when as parents, you are not able to have influence on your children, that is devastation. This leaves them susceptible to the influence of their friends, of what they see on TV and in the movies, what they see on social media or on the internet. And that's very dangerous, especially depending on their age and how impressionable they are. So to maintain influence, requires a level of mutual emphasis on mutual respect. We cannot be so focused on delineating between us as parents and them as children that it keeps us from just treating them like people. They know we're the authority. We don't have to point that out or spend any energy making sure they know. Trust me, they know. It's actually weird and it gives very much I need therapy vibes when we have to always maintain our position and make sure that everyone understands it. And that's fine. We all need therapy for one reason or another. To get this thing right, we have to give our kids the freedom to discover who they are and to just be themselves while we are there guiding them as they navigate life and try to figure things out. We have to remember that we cannot think that we are going to go through life or go through this journey controlling our children because control only lasts so long. And it's already super limited depending on your child's temperament and their personality. Some kids just don't care. You can take away everything you think they love. You can put them on punishment. You can spank them. You can yell at them and they don't care. They are still going to do what they want to do. And in situations like that, with children with that type of temperament, trying to control them is not going to work out in your favor. Control is only going to last so long, but influence can last for an entire lifetime. When your kids don't like you and don't respect you, they do not care about your opinions and they do not care about your feelings. And that is the danger zone for parents. That is when the red lights are flashing and we know that we've messed up. And so at that point, it is time to abort mission on everything else and focus all of our energy on repairing the relationship with our child. No, they are not going to be happy with us all the time and they will not like every decision that we make. But being mad about not getting their way or about some small thing in the grand scheme of things does not lead to a broken parent-child relationship unless that relationship was already breaking. So let's get into the solutions. I hate to discuss problems without also bringing a solution-focused energy into the conversation as well. How do we get to know our children and how do we build genuine connections with them that lead to lifelong bonds? I have eight suggestions for you, so let's talk about it. 
Number one, we cannot take their behavior personally. Their defiance, their attitudes, their emotions, if they roll their eyes or breathe too hard, all the crying, the tantrums, the foot stumping, the closing the door just a little bit too hard for our liking. These things will all look different depending on their age, but the common truth is that usually these things have very little to do with us personally. They are not trying to be disrespectful. They did not make a conscious decision to try to make mommy mad today. However, I do totally understand that their behavior can be triggering and we can easily take those things personally. But we have to consider if we mismanage our own emotions or punish them when their behavior is really just a reflection of how hard they're struggling to manage their own emotions, then we've missed an opportunity to bond. We've missed an opportunity to show them that we understand them and that we are always there to help them and that we can be patient with them and we can teach them how to work through things. They're still trying to figure things out. They are still learning emotional control. They are still learning how to express themselves respectfully. We as adults have a hard time keeping our cool when their behaviors trigger us, but we want them to be calm and cool and collected all the time. And I just don't understand how we expect a greater level of emotional intelligence from kids than most adults have. I just don't get it. But okay, let's get back on track. Number two, show interest in what's important to them and be genuinely enthusiastic about it. When my two-year-old comes to show me her artwork and it's really just some scribbles on a paper, I act like it is the best piece of art that I have ever seen and I am enthusiastic about it. When my six-year-old wants to show me his cartwheel for the 17th time or the new juke that he learned in football practice that really is not new at all, I'm excited to watch him do those things and to see his excitement. When my eight-year-old daughter wants to talk to me about the girl group that she created with her friends at recess or the new business idea that she's come up with, I engage her in those conversations. I ask her questions. I give her my advice and my feedback. Doing these things now lead to those bigger conversations later. If we haven't built these connections early, then our teenagers don't talk to us about the fight that they had with their best friend. They don't talk to us about their first breakup and their heartbreak or their curiosity about sex, especially if they're already engaging or if they're seriously thinking about it. Number three, when they do talk to us about something, whether it's small or huge, make sure that you are actively listening, be engaged in the conversation or be honest about the fact that you can't listen right now. If you're busy, explain to them that, okay, I'm multitasking, I can listen, but I can't give you my full undivided attention. Or if it's something that's important, I recommend just asking them to talk when you're done so you can focus. Hey, mommy really needs to finish this right now. Hey, daddy's kind of busy. Can you give me 15 minutes so that I'm able to give you my full attention? Not only does this show that you care about what they have to say and that you really want to be attentive when they speak, 
but it also models for them how to actively and respectfully listen to others. And modeling, remember, modeling is the most effective way to teach our kids anything. We can talk until we're blue in the face, but they're looking at what we're doing and that has much greater impact on their behavior than anything that we can ever say. Number four, never betray their trust. Please, y'all, do not tell their business, especially if they can hear you talking about them. It literally takes two seconds to ask, hey, do you mind if I share this with Auntie Whitney? Or how do you feel about me talking to Uncle Bobby about this? This is huge as they get older, but you want to set that tone young and be realistic and honest with them about how much privacy you can reasonably give them. Okay, so story time. Maybe about a month ago or so, my daughter and I had a conversation about something really big and she did not want me to tell anyone. So of course, I knew that I would share it with my husband, but I also wanted her to know that she could trust me and she can tell me things without it going any further. So I explained to her that Her daddy is my husband. He's my life partner. He's my partner on this parenting journey. And I can't keep secrets from him. And I definitely can't lie to him. So while I wanted her to understand that, I also wanted her to know that we could maintain a level of trust between us too. So I let her know that, hey, I have to tell him something. And I asked her what and how much she wanted me to share with him. This showed her just how sacred the bond is between a wife and a husband, but it also showed her that I will be honest with her and I will try my best to maintain a level of as much privacy as possible between us. Now, I know this one will be hard for some of y'all because it is hard for a lot of adults to just be quiet. Everyone has that one friend in the circle that you don't share anything with unless you don't mind everyone knowing. Do not be that person for your kids. Let them have a safe space where they can feel free to share and not think that now every single person in the family and every single one of your friends and every single one of your coworkers now knows their business. Number five Spend time doing things that they like. And while you're doing these things, make sure that you are being present. You want to be present emotionally and mentally, not just physically occupying the same space. This could look like watching their favorite movie or a few episodes of their favorite TV show. This could look like you playing with them with their toys or their favorite games. This could be lunch dates, ice cream dates, anything that they enjoy, really, if it provides the opportunity to spend quality time together. My daughter loves to cook, and when she gets older, she plans to be a chef. She is very much still in the stage of learning where she wants to help with everything. And this was really hard at first because life feels so busy and so fast But a kid helping out in the kitchen really just slows things down. So I had to slow myself down and I had to remind myself of the long-term positive impact of spending that extra time in the kitchen, teaching her to cook and bonding with her. Now her help actually feels helpful 
And it's something that we love to do together. Number six, try to set aside a time each day or each week or as often and consistently as you can to check in with each one of your children individually. So this does not have to be anything major, just one-on-one time, especially if you have more than one children, this becomes really important so that you can make sure that you are intentionally getting in that one-on-one time with them. You don't have to go anywhere or do anything. This could be sitting on the porch alone with one child or popping into their bedroom for a few minutes just to talk or taking one kid with you while you run an errand. My kids love dance parties, so we may turn on a couple of songs on YouTube and just kind of dance around and be silly or just sitting together, listening to music and not talking at all. This does not need to be a big production. This literally just needs to be intentional alone time with each child as often as possible. Number seven, don't take disappointing them too lightly. Keep your word, honor any promises that you make to them. Don't take advantage of their resilience or their forgiving nature. I mean, kids really seemingly move on pretty quickly, but our actions over time are teaching them how much they can trust us and what they can expect from us. So we don't ever want to get too comfortable in disappointing them and putting them off for other things because then that may make them feel unimportant and that is a downhill spiral that we do not want to go on. And lastly, make sure that we are showing up for them every single time as often as possible. If they are active and participate in any extracurricular activities, make sure that you're showing up for their games, go to their plays, go to their recitals or whatever they are involved in and show them that you are there and you are their number one cheerleader and their number one supporter. Go to the school events and be actively involved in their school. Join the PTA, volunteer in their classroom, chaperone their field trips, stop by the school at their lunchtime and just sit and eat lunch with them. I never realized how special these things are to kids until I did them. My daughter went to kindergarten and the way that she responded to me being there was so amazing and so heartwarming. And now that my son is in school and they're older, I still do those things. And it's to the point that if I go too long without showing up for something, they're trying to figure out, mom, what's going on? Mom, are you going to come to my school and eat lunch with me? Mom, why don't you come in my classroom? They even argue about the fact that, well, why did you go to Zuri's classroom, but you didn't come to my classroom? And so it is just something really easy, really um, not very time consuming at all, but something that is very meaningful for them. Okay, that is it. Episode one is a wrap. Thank you for making it to the end. If you are still listening, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. Also, make sure that you have joined the Kids Are People Too Parenting Group on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at K-A-P-T podcast. As you go throughout the remainder of this week and into the next, remember that our kids are just tiny humans 
that are new here and are trying to figure it all out. Let's make sure we're giving them all the grace and all the love and all the patient guidance that they can handle. We'll talk next week. Later.